1: netsuite.com slash hollywood netsuite.com slash hollywood oh and I brought your uh, birthday present oh yay (laughs) oh my god Carol's (laughs) last great summer t-shirt I don't even know what it means (laughs) I love it anyone who's a fan of the Real Housewives of New York would love this gift (laughs) as I am
0: Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai, right outside of L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz.
1: That's me, Liz Kraft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In
0: today's episode, we'll talk about, knock on all the wood, finishing the writing of
1: season two of Fantasy Island. Then in The Craft and Fane, we'll reveal why we've recently dubbed ourselves the Queens of Cutting. And in take two,
0: we've got more writer's room lingo, courtesy of our listeners.
1: And finally, this week's Hollywood hack is a versatile way to carry your necessities on the go. But Sarah, we have an update. We want to remind everybody that we're preparing for our spring listener questions episode. So now is the time to send us your questions. You can ask us about anything, life in Hollywood, TV writing, our friendship, tending chickens, tending a bunny, tending a lizard or a (laughs) gecko. Email (sighs) us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com.
0: Liz, I have to add, we also now have a land snail. Oh, a land snail. <laughs> yes. So, and then also we have a reminder that we are doing our first Facebook Live book club in June. We're reading Happy Campers, for me again, <laughs> by Audrey Monkey. It's the book that I carried with me everywhere during the pandemic because I think it is so helpful. You can read it in print or you can listen to the audiobook, which Audrey reads, which is awesome. So get your book and get ready for our first Facebook Live
1: book club in June yes okay Sarah it is time for from the treadmill desk sub in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches and this week it's euphoria now that's very uh. different from what's usually on our <laughs> pressing on our work psyches
0: yes we feel so light yes. While also being aware that we could feel incredibly heavy and crash down to the ground at any moment.
1: Yes. <laughs> we finished the scripts for season two of Fantasy Island. We had 13 scripts to do, and they're all turned in. And it is the best feeling in the world. I will say on Thursday
0: night, when the scripts like went to our script coordinator...
1: We just, like, uh, the relief was overwhelming. Oh, my God. And the funny thing was, it was on my birthday, and everybody kept (laughs) saying, oh, I'm sorry you have to work on your birthday. I'm sorry you have to write on your birthday. And I'm like, you don't understand. Doing this and handing it in is the best birthday I could possibly have. There's nothing better. Because every other script we've turned in, yes, we feel relief. Ah, episode six is done. Ah, episode four is done. But when you turn in 13, it is, it's a high. It is. It's an incredible high. And
0: I will say, we still have to go through the notes process, yes. which which can be great or can be grueling, and we don't yes. know yet which this is going to be, so we'll report back. But it's still just that feeling... It doesn't even matter because there's nothing harder than a first draft. Again, I'm knocking on all the wood. But, like, once you have a draft that you can work off of, everything is okay.
1: Yes. We know that we'll have something to shoot. I mean, that's the thing. It's just knowing that, like, the crew can and the, you know, all the department heads can, like, prep the episode. Yes. And we can cast. The funny thing, Sarah, is after we finished... I had saved an episode of Survivor. So I think I've talked on the podcast about one of my favorite memories of all time yes. is you and me finishing and handing in our very first ever writing gig together, which was a freelance episode of a young adult like Saturday morning show called Just Deal. And then we had on tape the survivor, the first season Survivor finale to watch. And I mean, it was just so wonderful. And anyway, I saved purposely because I still watch Survivor. I saved that week's episode to watch after we had handed it in. And oh, my God, I just loved every second of it. I was in heaven. And then, yeah, and
0: I was going to order sushi, but the delivery place in Ojai wasn't open. There, there are a few
1: options here. Yes.
0: And Violet's nanny, Dawn, had actually made the most delicious dinner. So I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs>
1: Oh, good. Well, we were actually supposed to go out for sushi, but it was too late by the time we handed in the script. So we (laughs) ordered McDonald's, I'm not proud to say, but... It happened. I have to say that sounds wonderful. Sarah, it's funny, as we were talking about this euphoria, I feel like this is even part of why we like to be television writers, because yeah. we're always chasing that feeling of euphoria. And it's not something you can get. I don't, well, maybe you can. I mean, I'd love to hear from listeners if something brings them, in their job, to similar euphoria. I mean, I imagine maybe for a trial lawyer, Mm -hmm. If you win, I guess, you know, at the end of a case, I could see it feeling like this. It's hard to get that end of school feeling, the like, your (laughs) exams are over. It's that sort of feeling. Yeah. My mom was a lawyer who did trials. And I think about
0: her sitting at the dining room table preparing for trials every night and just like the load of work and work and work and work and work and work and work. And then I bet she did feel like that. I mean, we didn't like talk about her deep right. trial feelings, but like, <laughs> especially if you think it went well, if you think it went badly, maybe not, but if you think it went well, I bet it would
1: be incredible. Well, Sarah, I remember the Marsha Clark story, Marsha Clark, who we did the fix with, who was the prosecutor on the OJ Simpson trial. I remember, I believe she said, so they went to the jury, they gave the case to the jury and she took off for Santa Barbara to see friends. It was like, okay, there's nothing I can do. I can go see my friends in Santa Barbara. And then I think she was on the road and got the call that the jury was back and turned around. And then that didn't go her way. And I think then it was a long road back to feeling like herself again. Yes. But regardless, I think this feeling, uh, there's just nothing like it. Yeah. And it's
0: Just knowing also that our workload has now dropped off a cliff. Uh, Yes. This week may be challenging if we have a big rewrite to do based on notes, but then that will be it. It's like we'll go to Puerto Rico, we'll be on set, we'll be doing cuts, but it won't be the constant balancing of all the elements of our job. It's just... We can focus on yes. a
1: few nice things. Yeah, because one thing we talk about is how we do all aspects. You know, we do casting, we do editing, we do, you know, we for music and all of that. But the thing is, the biggest part of our job, the most important thing we do, I think, is spearheading all of the scripts. So oh, yeah. So it's just a massive... Element And then the other thing is, as we wind down shooting, many other parts go away. So, like, 12 we've already cast, so now we only need to cast 13, and then that's done. Wardrobe will be done. Talking to our amazing production designer about sets will be done. So yeah. then, very soon, all that will be left is editing and anything to do with posts. So we can go to the doctor mm. we can hike we can see the new down abbey movie which i'm going to suggest oh we do liz um, i'm so driving in for that yes anyway so yay on us but i would love to hear from people if your job or whatever in your life is at the end of school I think the end of school is something that provides a very similar feeling. Walking out the last day of school is such a great feeling. The best. So do let us know. Um, you can send us a voice memo or email us at happierinhollywood@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And coming up, when writing
0: TV is all about what not to put on the page. But first, this break.
1: Okay, Liz, it's time for The
0: Craft and Fane, in which we discuss the craft of writing, because although, yes, writing is an art, it's also a craft. And this week, we are... We are, what are we called, uh, anointing ourselves? Yes. Is that the right word? Yes.
1: We are anointing ourselves the queens of cutting. Yes, we are. This week is all about that last script. Yes. I think everything <laughs> we have in some oh, way uh, segment can, can go back to that last script. We assembled our script. So you had written, I had written, and then Adria, our co-EP, had written some as well. For us. And when we assembled our first draft, it was officially 66 pages. Which is appalling. Because our scripts, we usually turn them in at 45 pages. Yes. So
0: we. I will say we didn't panic because it was obvious that all of us had written long
1: and been a little self-indulgent in our, like, emotional moments. Yes. And fair to say also that, like, page 66 only said end of season two on it. True. And there was at least one other act that had a very,
0: very short, what we call a widow. So. It wasn't as horrifying as it first
1: appeared. No. But it was horrifying. I mean, even if you take all that out, that still has 17 extra pages. Oh, my God. So you and I, we just, yeah, we didn't panic. We just said, all right, we're going to get into this and we are going to get it down. Well, and the good news was structurally
0: it still worked. Yes. What you don't want when you read a first draft is to have to completely restructure everything. So the structure held together, which meant we really just had to make everything more concise
1: and pithy. And here is what's great about being the queens of cutting is, and this is what makes this segment a craft and fame. We have talked about cutting before using as few words as you can, but also when you cut Big swaths, as I say, of material. It makes the episode better. Yes, nothing improves an episode like cutting. And so I think we knew that every scene that we got down, every act we got down, was going to read better and play better. So just like for example, when we got to the end of Act Two in our, this is our first the draft we were working on, we were on page thirty nine. When we got to the end of Sorry, Act, it's just so it's ridiculous. When we got to the end of Act two, after we had been working on the script, it was on, I believe, 21. Yes. So of course, we took out all of this unnecessary couplets, unnecessary beats. Um, we didn't cut any actual scenes, which is shocking. We moved yeah. half a scene into another scene, but we kept the bulk of what was there. So I think then it read great because it was only the good stuff, right? Absolutely, we are
0: practiced cutters. Yes, I we will are. say. Thanks to this show. I mean, we we've, yeah. we've always been very focused on cutting, but this show has made us extra extra <laughs> skillful. I'll say at going okay. We have to cut this and make this as strong as we can at the script level because we can't shoot anything extra because we can't do it in post. Like a lot of writers like to have extra mm-hmm. so they can yeah. like recraft an episode in post. We do not have that luxury. We will not have any extra material so we have to do it up front. So I mean We have been practicing and practicing and practicing these skills for two
1: seasons, and boy, did we need them. Yes, we did. Um, And when you're thinking about cutting, if you're, you know, a writer out there who faces this issue, I mean, think about is something distracting from what you're trying to say, even if it sounds good. If it's, like, completely off topic, taking you in another direction – even if it's a good line, you may need to lose it, as they say, kill your babies, right, in writing, because really you're trying to go in a certain direction and you want to just keep going in that direction. Yes. You
0: don't want to veer off and look at the scenery. So that's a lot of what we cut, is veering off and looking at the scenery. You want to just look at the road.
1: Yes, <laughs> Now, Sarah, you and I were talking about this with Lauren, our wonderful assistant, and she was saying that it reminded her of a pemmican. And we said, what is a pemmican? (laughs) And she said, picture a meat and berry hockey puck or think early version of a protein bar. And let me just read what it is. A pemmican is a mixture of tallow dried meat and sometimes dried berries. A calorie-rich food, it can be used as a key component in prepared meals or eaten raw. Historically, it was an important part of indigenous cuisine in certain parts of North America, and it is still prepared today. And what she said is that hunters who were going out would take pemmicans with them to eat, and the idea was you only wanted this nutrient dense food so that you weren't taking anything extra perfect
0: yes i mean it is it's exactly that you don't want anything extra it also reminds me of a children's book that violet had that the repeating refrain was enough is enough and not one bit more mm, yes it's like Same
1: thing. It's very much like the pemmican. Yes. It's everything you need and nothing you don't. So that's how we'll think of our scripts from now on. Everything we need and nothing we don't. Yes. Okay, Sarah, it is time for take two in which we revisit a topic we've discussed before. And today it is writer's room lingo. Yes,
0: we talked about writer's room lingo in episode 262, our last episode. And we got some great emails about writer's room lingo. The first came from Jenny, who reminded us of the phrase first thought theater.
1: Now, I have to say, I have heard this before, but it's not kind of part of our lexicon. Yes, although it should be. And that's when you're pitching a spontaneous idea. So you're saying this isn't worked out. Don't judge me. But first thought theater, we could do this.
0: And it's sort of like house number. I mean, they mean very similar things. And I'm guessing that when someone says First Thought Theater, that is often the
1: thing that sticks, just like with this number. (laughs) Yes, often the first thing you think of is the best thing. Not always, but it happens. Very often. And then Jenny mentioned a shape. So she says, when you're not sure what the exact details of the story will be, but you're presenting the general beats. And I think that's a great way to say it. And that also really goes to the story versus moves that you and I talk about. If you can pitch the shape of something, that likely means you're heading in the right direction because you're really focused on the overall story. If you feel a need to go into great detail, it probably means that you're focused on the moves and not on the story. So I think it's actually something I think we should use, Sarah. If we're in the room and we have to go off and do something, I think we should say, well, when we come back, we'd love to hear just the shape of the story. Yes. And then that will keep people focused on the story as opposed to, which is so easy to do, getting caught up in the minutiae of what happens in each scene and going beat by beat, which yeah. often is counterproductive. Yes. And I think
0: this is the way we think about story. Yes. We just don't use this word. And I agree, we absolutely should, because we think about story very much in terms of shape. It's a very visual word. And we literally both, when we're looking at a whiteboard, we know what the shape of each act should be in terms of how long. The different lines should be, how many colors there should be, Yes, how many colors there should be in each act. We very much think of story in a visual way now after yes. working We've on whiteboards. We've ourselves. We have, yeah. absolutely. So I agree. That's a super useful uh, term.
1: Yeah, and then we got another writer's lingo, although not necessarily writer's room lingo, from Leslie, which I thought was really interesting. I'd never heard this. She said... I was for many years a national reporter for a major news organization and had the best of the best editors. One of them over time observed a particular writer's trap into which I regularly fell. I would labor and labor over crafting the perfect lead, the first paragraph of whatever story, and finally would send him over a draft with what was supposed to be an artful, disciplined, compelling point of entry to the piece." the editor eventually identified what he came to call the hat. Basically, what he found was that if you removed my first brilliant, quote unquote, not, paragraph, it revealed the heart of the story right underneath in the second paragraph, which was inevitably less mannered and free to flow. So to this day, whenever I get stuck on something labored, even things that are not directly writing related, I remember simply to try removing the hat, It's a little bit like Coco Chanel's classic fashion advice before you go out, look in the mirror and take one thing off. So I love this. I love it. I'm
0: obsessed with this. I feel like, one, this is the reason I can't make myself write a novel because I have written so many first sentences that I'm just like, I get stuck on it. And I just, yeah, the hat, forget the hat, just move on, move on to the outfit. Yeah, (laughs) And then we do this in scripts all the time. I mean, much of our cutting is often
1: the first couplet of a scene. The top of a scene. Yes, absolutely. We do it all the time. So that's now we have front porch and back porch, and now we have the hat. Yes. So I love Sarah. I feel like what I love about all this lingo is I feel like it makes us be able to discuss better what we want to say. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like how we always feel like we don't have the right words to talk about music, but people who talk about music all the time know how to talk about it and communicate. Absolutely. I feel like all of these phrases help us communicate better. Yeah,
0: they're all tools. I mean, we're calling them terms, but really what they are are tools and ways to think about what we do.
1: So keep that lingo coming and it doesn't have to be writer lingo. I'd love to hear lingo from other professions just because it's fascinating. And I know people love to hear it because often they can apply it in their own lives.
0: Coming up a Hollywood hack. That's a backpack or a crossbody or a tote. But first this break.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, Okay, Sarah, it's time for the Hollywood Hack, and you have discovered a new set bag. I have, and I am so excited about it.
0: Okay, so I just got the Sherpani Soleil AT bag. What's great about this, and I have been looking for this for so long, it's a backpack, it's a tote, and it's a crossbody. You can wear it however you want to wear it, because Violet and I barring any kind of you know pandemic or work thing are going to Europe in August and I was like I know that I don't want to wear a bag the same way the entire day because my shoulders will get tired my back will get tired whatever I wanted something that I could move around on my body and this bag you can you can wear it all these different ways I'm so excited And I will obviously be taking it to set, of course.
1: Yes, I looked it up and it's very cute as well. I know.
0: You don't want to be walking around Paris with a bag that's not a little cute. Exactly.
1: Well, what I like about the fact that it can move is like if you're going sort of, you know, a long way and not needing to access the bag, then it's maybe great to have it on your back as a backpack, but if you're needing to get in and out in and out, that is such a hassle then you can have it as a crossbody. So, yes. It makes such sense and it's not that expensive. It's around $120, which for a very versatile bag is fantastic. Fair. So we are going to um, link to the Sherpani in the show notes if you want to look it up and perhaps get one for yourself. Sarah, yours is in Sterling, in case anyone's curious, as I was. (laughs) And that is it
0: for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And remember to submit those questions for our listener question episode that's coming up very soon. Thanks for listening, and please follow us if you haven't already.
1: Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, king of remote recording. And thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence13.
0: And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project.
1: Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on
0: Instagram, at S. Fane, and Liz is at Liz Kraft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy
1: it. Today, we're even euphoric about it. Now Sarah if we get the notes and like we have to completely rewrite we can then next week have a segment about like the crash the depression the nadir of yes of her feelings <laughs> oh this job let's let's just like cross our fingers that they love it uh, they all i have everything crossed from the onward project